Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. Today I want to speak about honor. Honor matters. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about losing your honor, committing to honor. And this sermon is titled, Honor for Honor. What does honor mean? When you look up the word honor in the dictionary, there are about 12 to 14 different ways you can use the word honor, especially in American society, and as, as just a noun. And of course, there's the verb honor as well. So today we're going to focus in, if you will, allow me, on just a couple definitions when it comes to being a man or a woman of honor. Namely, that you should have a good name or public esteem that is your reputation. It's a keen sense of ethical conduct, integrity, Also, one's word given as a guarantee of performance, honor, integrity, honesty, uprightness. Sometimes I feel like because we aren't, I don't know how to say it, but I, I, I just feel like our society has lost its sense of these divine principles by which to live by and to be known by. Somebody, I think it was Lad was telling a group of us that in Sparta, if you didn't work out, they would make fun of you and publicly humiliate you in the streets as a Spartan. I don't know if that's true or not, but I know Lad would be really good at that. And so I was thinking about the fact that if I didn't, if I was a Spartan and I didn't work out, you had the right to make fun of me publicly and humiliate me because I wasn't upholding the sacred duty of a Spartan. And why is that duty so sacred? But because in battle, if I have not put my time in, if I have not committed myself, to working out and to being strong, it can hurt us as a group in battle because my strength is dependent on your strength and your strength is dependent on the next man's strength. And so it is with honor. If we don't demand that men live with honor, then we will lose its sacred value. It's difficult to uphold sometimes these principles of morality, of integrity, because in order for me to keep you honorable, two things have to happen. 
First, I have to be honorable. And secondly, I have to open myself up for the same scrutiny I'm demanding of you. Most people are not willing to open themselves up and be vulnerable enough to accept the correction of others. And so honor suffers. Honor is about integrity, being honest, not just in your personal life, but in business. People don't want to see two different kinds of Keith. They don't want to come to expect that in church or in the assembly, I'm going to see this religious-minded and pious person But yet on the street, when I meet Keith in the grocery store, I find a different person. People want to see the same person, whether you're here, whether you're at work, or whether you're at home. And that is difficult, especially at home. People want to see you keeping your word, being honorable. If you say you're going to do something to follow through. If you say you're going to be somewhere, to be there. If you say whatever you say, to honor your word. Be a man or a woman of honor. I'd like to look at a a few scriptures today and hopefully not make too big of a stretch of the imagination for applying this principle of honor to it. If you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 23. If you ever want to know how not to live as a religious person, you should turn to Matthew chapter 23. Because here Yeshua is giving a whole list of things, indictments if you will, against the Pharisees, who of course are and were the religious leaders of that time. People who should have been able to be relied upon, trusted, men who should have had honor. And so Yeshua begins in verse 1, as he spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, all that they tell you, do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and do not do them. The word of Yahweh, which was being preached in the synagogues by the Pharisees, is trustworthy and true, for Yahweh's word never fails, and its promises always endure. But the men who were teaching these principles refused to live them out themselves, and therefore could not be relied upon as a proper example. We have to realize that men are not the answer for proper example all the time. What a world it would be if we could rely on them for those things. Yeshua is the only example by which we can trust and follow securely. The only foundation by which we can build our house. I'm thankful to be in an assembly full of men of honor. And I do mean that. I know men here who have much honor 
and integrity. And I'm thankful to be with you. And so Yeshua carries on here in verse 4. He says, They tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. And then he goes on and talks about the hypocrisy, how the Pharisees like to be seen by people, how the Pharisees walk around so that they can receive the praises of men, etc. And he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. And he says, Woe to you, blind guides, and woe to you, hypocrites. For those of us who understand the commandments of Yahweh, who consider ourselves to be experienced in the word of Yahweh, the laws of Yahweh, his testimonies, for those of us who claim these things, we can very well learn from the Pharisees and their failure. And we must learn. Because too many times, men of religious leadership fall into the trap of being rewarded and exalted for their talents in preaching and their abilities as leaders, and they forget who they're following, and they start becoming a hypocrite and leave a life, lead a life of sin and debauchery. Men, we need to be cautious. We need to be thoughtful. Honor matters. I want to specifically focus now on verse 23. Yeshua says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. Now, specifically here, Yeshua is addressing a portion of oral law observance that the Pharisees had initiated, where they were specifically requesting even the smallest amounts be given in a tithe. Yeshua doesn't criticize this specific requirement that they were asking, but more specifically, criticizes the fact that they're straining at these small things and missing these huge things. He goes on to say in verse 24, you blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Perhaps you don't understand what that saying means, but as I've done research, I discovered that if you were holding a glass of wine, a lot of times gnats would get into the wine because it was sweet. And so they would strain out the wine to keep the gnats from there and yet swallow a camel, well, I think we can pretty much figure out what that means. It seems like an impossibility. So again, we focus on the little things as to not eat a gnat, and yet we're trying to swallow a camel. Focusing on the things that not, don't matter, they matter. But not focusing on the things that really matter. Faithfulness, justice, and mercy. These were men living without honor. Our religious behaviors will be void of any blessing or any fruit if we do not have honor. People do not care 
what you have to say if you're not living with honor. Now, in Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 23, verse 23, we see these three principles, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. I'd like to uh, um, submit that this is a reference to Micah chapter 6, if you'll turn with me there. Honor matters. Micah chapter 6. Now, here, again, is a list of indictments. So we can see a parallel between what Yeshua is saying to the Pharisees and what Micah is relating to the Israelites, both leaders. And Yahweh is giving this indictment through the prophet Micah. And we're in Micah chapter 6. Hear now what Yahweh is saying. Arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Listen, you mountains, to the indictment of Yahweh and you enduring foundations of the earth. Because Yahweh has a case against his people. Even with Israel, he will dispute. My people, what have I done to you? And how have I wearied you? Answer me. Indeed, I brought you up from the land of Egypt and ransomed you from the house of slavery. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. My people, remember now what Balak, king of Moab, counseled, and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered him. And from Shittim, and Gilgal, in order that you might know the righteous acts of Yahweh. The indictment comes to all of us. How easy we forget the blessings of Yahweh. How easily we forget His fulfilling promises in our lives. How easily we forget miracle upon miracle that He performs in our lives every day and become haughty in mind and lose our honor. So Israel replies, With what shall I come to Yahweh and bow myself before the Elohim on high? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings? In other words, what can I bring to you? Is the question that Israel is asking. What can I bring to you? What shall I come to you with? Shall I do it with yearling calves? Does Yahweh take delight in thousands of rams, in 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I present my firstborn for my rebellious acts, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does Yahweh require of you? Let's listen in. This is what Yahweh requires, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your Elohim. Sounds pretty close to Matthew 23, 23, doesn't it? Do justice. Love kindness. Walk humbly with your Elohim. Justice, mercy, faithfulness. Faithfully following the Elohim of our fathers, the Elohim of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, with all sincerity. In other words, we could build a river of oil, thousands of rivers of oil, to give to Yahweh, 
And if yet we do not have honor, none of it will matter. We could sacrifice our firstborn children to him and say we're sorry for our sins, but if we don't repent and live as men of honor, none of that matters. Let's turn to Romans chapter 2, verse 1. When I said earlier that it's difficult to maintain accountability and honor, it's chapter 2 of Romans sort of explains that concept here. Not to the point that it should be avoided, the accountability, but more specifically that there is a code of conduct that must be attained in order for people to be able to receive correction. Therefore, verse 1 of chapter 2 in Romans, you have no excuse, every one of you who passes judgment, for in that which you judge another, you condemn yourselves, for you, do th- for you who judge practice the same things. This is the exact same indictment that Yeshua gave to the Pharisees. You can't, you can't teach because you don't do. Here Paul is saying you can't judge because you do the same, the same sin. Not that judgment shouldn't be had. In, in fact, quite the opposite. Yeshua says, let you have justice, judgment, great judgment, good judgment. So not that judgment shouldn't happen, more specifically that it shouldn't happen through hypocrisy. Hallelujah. And we know that the judgment of Yahweh rightly falls upon those who practice such things. But do you suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things and do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of Yahweh? How is it possible, O man, that we could surmise in our minds that I can judge you accordingly to the word of Yahweh and not yet be judged by the same word? It doesn't make sense. It's an illogical statement. Or do you not think lightly, rather, or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of Yahweh leads us to repentance? We sing a song about that. But because of your stubbornness, let's pay attention, and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourselves in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of Yahweh. If you judge the world harshly and yet do not live up according to the same standard of judgment, you are storing up for yourselves wrath. And I would do the same. Verse 6, who will render to each person according to his deeds? To those who by perseverance in doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, they will receive wrath and indignation. There will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek. But glory and honor and peace to everyone who does good to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. 
There is no partiality with Yahweh. He does not care what color of skin you have, where you come from, how you were raised. None of that matters. If you are a person of honor and live up to Yahweh's righteous standards, which His Holy Spirit given is there to teach us, then you will be blessed with glory and honor. Honor for honor. So many people want to receive honor and yet do not live honorably. You hear them say things like, well, I'm a good person. Yahweh will accept me. Is being good good enough? What does Yahweh require? Justice, mercy, faithfulness. Let's look at uh, Hebrews chapter 13. I hope I'm enunciating clearly that honor matters. Integrity, honesty, uprightness, keeping your word, being true. These are principles that oftentimes we hear about in passing. And that's why I want to exclaim them importantly today. Young men, you have an obligation to learn honor. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to Yahweh. That is, the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices Yahweh is pleased. To do good and to share, to be honorable. All right. Let's talk about losing your honor now as we shift gears. This is a difficult part because it can come across as if there's no hope for a person who's lost their honor. And in some cases, I would argue, there is no hope. But I don't want that to be the overall idea that I share or that you take away from this. Because we see examples where men acted, men of honor, acted dishonorably, shamefully, and yet were esteemed back. One of those examples is David. David acted with extreme honor when it came to King Saul. David was tempted time and again to take his place rightfully take his place as the king over Israel. Yahweh had declared it. It was prophesied, and the time was nigh. And David had many opportunities, two particularly, but probably more, to kill Saul and take his place. And yet David showed that he was a man of honor. And he said, I will never put my hand 
against Yahweh's anointed. And so David waited, being persecuted, for the right and proper time that Yahweh would establish for him to assume the kingdom. He acted with honor. Here's where it gets a little sideways. And I want to preface this by saying that all men are susceptible. We had Yaku here uh, a few months ago. He's going to come back and he's going to speak again to the men. I heard that the report from the ladies was good. But I want to say that as we go into this next portion that men are susceptible. It doesn't matter if you go to services. It doesn't matter if you pray enough. You have to maintain your honor. And so David is walking on the castle walls and he sees a beautiful woman bathing. Innocent enough, I don't honestly believe David was looking for trouble. But trouble found him. In these moments, men, we have a choice that must be made, and it will be made, to act with honor or to act shamefully. David chose to act shamefully. And we know how the story goes. One sin led to another, which led to another, and ultimately, here is David, completely and utterly humiliated because of his shameful deeds. Completely and utterly humiliated. And I guess that's the first thing I would say as far as the recovery from dishonor and shame is that you must humble yourself. It cannot be overstated. If you act shamefully, you can't just walk around with your head held high while Yahweh forgives me. Don't do that. David did not do that. He humbled himself. He fasted. He prayed. He begged for forgiveness. He wrote psalms about how miserable of a person he was, how embarrassed he was, how shameful he was. This is the path to restoration. And he got a pass because he happened to be the king. Another understated principle in the story of David is that, yeah, when you're anointed the king, you can get away with a little bit more. Just saying. That's true. But so many people act shamefully and yet are arrogant all the more, boastful all the more. Sexuality is tied closely to honor. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This is where men need to be careful. Because the biggest temptation, I believe, in a man's life for shame and dishonor is sexuality. It can be the most greatest and life-giving part of your life, sexuality. It can also cause the biggest disgrace 
and the most hurt. Let's look at verse 1 of chapter 4 in 1 Thessalonians. Finally then, brethren, we we request and exhort you in the Master Yeshua that as you received from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and to please Yahweh. Notice this common theme. We're talking, Yeshua's talking about how the Pharisees are supposed to walk. What is exactly they're supposed to be focusing on? We have the testimony of Micah where the Israelites answer back, what are we supposed to do? And Micah says, you know what to do. These are the three core principles you're supposed to be doing. They all have to do with honor. Here again, we have Paul saying the exact same thing. You know how you ought to walk. We taught you this. How is it that you're to please Yahweh? You know that. We taught you that. Just as you exactly do walk. So he's not so much criticizing them, he's just reminding them. I hope that's the spirit I'm being presented in today. Not criticism, reminding. Amen. I need to be reminded that you excel still more. There's always room to show more honor. For you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Master Yeshua. For this is the will of Yahweh, for your sanctification. The key to your sanctification, that is the becoming holy, the becoming righteous. You don't, you don't become righteous the moment you're baptized. You're not sanctified the moment you're baptized. That moment is for justification, to be declared right, to have a covering. The idea of sanctification or holiness is a life's pursuit, which comes through the strengthening and the teaching of the Holy Spirit. Sanctification is the goal, so that after sanctification, we can receive glorification. You don't get glorification without sanctification. It's a process. And so he says here, This is the will of Yahweh for your sanctification. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you know how to possess, that is to control and be in dominion over his own vessel, that is, your body. Be in control of your body. Men, I hope you're listening. Young men, I hope you're listening. Be in control of your own body in sanctification and honor. Not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know Yahweh. Lustful passions is a sign of spiritual immaturity. It's a sign of indulging in the sinful nature. And the, 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 the Gentiles are being picked on here because they have an excuse. And that excuse is they don't no Yahweh. But we have no excuse when it comes to that. Because we've been raised, we've been taught, we have the knowledge of Yahweh. Do not mistake and think, well, I'm not baptized so I can get away with whatever I want to. Don't make the mistake of thinking, I'm not committed, therefore I'm not held accountable. That is probably, most likely, not true. Why am I saying probably most likely and not definitely? Because I'm not the judge. Do not think, well, 
I was raised in the assembly, but I've not fully committed. Therefore, I'll get a pass when it comes to all this evil conduct that I'm participating in. Yahweh, have mercy. Look what it says in verse 6. That no man transgress and defraud his brother in this matter because of the master. Rather, the master is the avenger in all these things. Just as we told you before and solemnly warned you. For Yahweh has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. So he who rejects this, this is important. Look at this, young men. If you're looking at your Bible or your phone app, verse 8. He who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the Elohim who gives his Holy Spirit to you. You are rejecting Yahweh. If you defraud your brother in this matter, how can I defraud my brother sexually? By taking his wife, by fornicating, by watching things that I ought not watch, by participating in things that I ought not participate in. I want to break for a short moment and share a painful regret that I have about Ravi Zacharias. And it hasn't been spoken from the pulpit that I know of since we found out after Ravi's death that he was engaged in sexual misconduct and had been for years. It is arguable that Ravi Zacharias preached the gospel better and was more insightful as a philosopher of the word of Yahweh than any person at the time of his death. And yet, we find out after he died, women coming forward, talking about his sexual misconduct in his massage parlors. It made me sick to my stomach. Ravi would ask these girls after they performed sexual acts for him to pray with him and give thanks to Yahweh for the time they had together. I don't want to be the judge, but I can tell you if I was, there would be a special warm place for people like that in my little lake of fire. But thankfully, I'm not the judge. We have to be careful. If you claim to be a teacher of the word and yet commit yourself to sexual immorality and then use the gospel of Yeshua to further your sexual immorality, there is danger ahead. We have to be careful. Defrauding the brother. He who rejects this is not rejecting man, but Yahweh. And he's the one who gave the Holy Spirit. Solomon, in all of his glory, in wisdom, in knowledge, in wealth, in power, in esteem, and honor, was also reduced to a man of idol worship. In immorality because of sexual temptation. 
Men, we have to be careful. We need men of honor. We need young men who know how to treat a lady right. We need young women who demand honor from these young men. We need men who know how to kiss on the cheek when we say goodnight, and that's it. We need men of honor who know how to drive a girl around without using their hands for all sorts of misdeeds. We need men of honor. We need men to teach these young men honor and show the example. And I'm thankful for the example we have here. Again, not to criticize, but to encourage. Let's close some thoughts here. Commit to honor for honor. I would like for you to make a commitment. How do you get your honor back? We spoke about that with humility. Repentance, that means to cease and desist and to turn, to turn to Yahweh. Commitment, communication, and accountability. I heard that Billy Graham, who was also an incredible preacher of the gospel of Yeshua, I heard that when he was standing in an elevator, if a woman would get into the elevator and he would find himself in a situation where he was alone with a woman, he would leave the elevator. Here's what you didn't hear about Billy Graham after he died. You didn't hear about his sexual misconduct. A man of honor. This is why we have to be careful, brothers and sisters, when we esteem men above their rightful place. Only esteem the Master Yeshua. We want to encourage our elders. We want to rely on our elders. I'm not saying they don't deserve honor. No. I'm saying we do not rely on them for our salvation. So many people wrote in after Ravi's sin that they felt like they had lost their faith. And if that's the case, you didn't have faith to begin with because our faith is not wrapped up in a man. It's wrapped up in the Almighty's Son, Yeshua, who was a man and was raised to glory. Hallelujah. Accountability is key. We must be able to hold each other accountable. I'm thankful for the men who hold me accountable. I want to be vulnerable. I want to be honorable. And if you see dishonor, if you see shameful deeds, speak. Don't settle for shame and dishonor. Demand honor from me and from every man in this room. I want to conclude in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 8. Honor for honor. The goal is glorification, to receive an imperishable body. That which is sown in dishonor is reaped in glory. To make our place firm in the kingdom of Yahweh by living according to the words which he has prescribed through his prophets and through his Son. The Holy Spirit bearing witness of these things by which we are to live. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 8. Knowing that whatever good thing each one does, he will receive back from the Master, whether slave or free. If you act with honor, 
you will receive honor back. In James chapter 1, verse 12, I'll read it quickly. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which Yahweh has promised to those who love him. If we persevere, if we last, if we hold out, then we will receive this crown of life, which is promised to us all. And finally, Matthew chapter 25. Yeshua is talking about the parable of the talents. And to those which were given much, rather given little, Yahshua makes a promise to them. In verse 21, his master said to him, and this is what we're looking for, men of honor, ladies of integrity, well done, good and faithful slave, You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Let's pray. Thank you, Yahweh, for this time. Father, we do want to take seriously being men and women of honor. So many shameful things are done in your name. Father, we repent and pray that you would give us closer understanding of how to be better. Father, just help us to seek justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before you to be faithful to the call of your son. We give you thanks, and I pray for each man here and each woman here and each young man and young lady that you would help us to act honorably and to not forget you in the dark moments, but to be a light in those times, to exalt you in those moments of temptation, to be overcomers by the power of your name. And we give you thanks for it in Yeshua's name. Amen.